Welcome to the Newsome MMA podcast in association with MMA Play 365, giving you the edge in MMA betting. I'm your host as always, Newsome, with your co-host John, and tonight we're back once again to break down UFC 247 from Houston, Texas. John, welcome. How are you doing tonight, man? Hey, dear man. I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. Looking forward to breaking down another card. We've got the return of John Jones. Um, and it, it's always interesting when there's a John Jones fight card, so uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. Absolutely. And just before we start, as always, we need to mention MMA Play 365. For those who missed the announcement before UFC 246, MMA Play 365 had some big news and we have partnered with a world-leading AI artificial intelligence sports prediction company called Sporter. Sporter produce highly accurate outcomes across multiple sports using computer-based algorithms and their self-learning software. They're currently in MMA, boxing, baseball and football, so soccer to you guys over the pond. And in those respects, sports they've partnered with globally huge organizations to utilize their services for more information on sport or in the partnership you can find the article on the newsome mma website or you can just google something generic such as mma play 365 sporter and the article will appear as for the last event at ufc 246 we had some phenomenal results at mma play 365 the dog of the week won all the recommended bets for the long-term gamblers won all of the official bets from the handicapper cashed one of the three fun parlays cashed 10 out of the 14 parlay pieces in the Create Your Own Hacker section won, and Sporter's AI predictions correctly predicted four out of five winners too. So everybody was a winner. And with the great news out of the way, let's break down some fights at UFC 247. This week, the Newsome MMA main card is simply just the main card of the UFC 247 pay-per-view section, as these are the fights that we think deserve that little bit more breakdown time. So in the main event of UFC 247, we have the return of the pound-for-pound pound greatest fighter of all time, John Bones Jones, back in the cage once again to fight the hugely once-touted prospect, but now-turned title challenger Dominic Reyes. John Jones currently sitting as the minus 400 favourite, the comeback on Reyes at plus 350. John, who have you got? <clears throat> yeah, this is going to be um, going to be an interesting fight because we've seen in the last few fights of John Jones, people have just started to um, doubt him a little bit. There's that that little element of doubt with creeping in. I mean, the Gustafsson fight. Um, I know I picked him um, on the podcast. I picked Gustafsson to, to to get the win there and, and take the belt. Obviously, that didn't quite turn out as uh, as planned. And and Jones put in a good performance. But his last two fights against Anthony Smith and Thiago Santos, especially that Santos fight, the last fight, very very close split decision victory. People have just started to doubt now whether uh, John Jones is on the decline and whether he's, um, he's, people are starting to catch up with his skill set, people are starting to kind of suss out his style and suss out um, a, a way in which to beat him. And, and it's really interesting with John Jones because I, I think he has mentioned this before himself and, and I'm very much of the belief watching him as well that um, he fights to a level of his opposition when you look at his opposition and he's fighting somebody tougher on paper, I always think he he, he turns it up a notch and he, he performs better. We've seen that in the, the Daniel Cormier fights. Obviously, I know the second DC fight got overturned to a no contest. Um, we saw that in the second Alexander Gustafsson fight. We've seen it in fights previously against the likes of Glover Teixeira. Teixeira was on a huge tear then and, and John Jones beat Teixeira at his own game. Now, I know that we're going back some time for, for those fights, but um, out of his recent fights, if you look from um, Ovin said Pru onwards, his two best performances have come against Daniel Cormier, which obviously I mentioned was overturned to a no contest, and Alexander Gustafsson, who you'd look at, pretty much anybody would look at on paper and go, 
they're the two standout uh, names on that on that sheet out of OSP, Cormier, Gustafsson, Anthony Smith, Thiago Santos. And now he's going to be against Dominic Reyes, who you say is a young, hungry, up-and-comer. And I really like Reyes. I really like his style. He's um, he, he, He's got a good blend of boxing mixed in with his kicks. Uh, we've seen that he's got power. I mean, we've seen that against Jared Cannonier. He put him out in round one. Um, Joachim Christensen, he put him out in round one. Uh, and then Chris Weidman in his last fight, he put him out in round one. And, um, and I'm of the belief that you've mentioned this before, that I do think that John Jones is on a slight decline. I do think... At some point in the quite near future, he he's due to take that that first real L, um, excluding the the Matt Hamill um, disqualification. But for me, I, I'm not sure if if Dominic Reyes is the is the guy to do it. I mean, Jones has seen everything before with with strikers. I mean, he's gone up against some fantastic opposition previously. Thiago Santos, um, very dangerous, very dangerous with his kicks, extremely quick with his kicks. And for me. Reyes' kicks are his best weapon, and I don't know whether Reyes' kicks are as good as Thiago Santos. Thiago Santos had some real um, success early on with those um, those low calf kicks, but Jones started to get the read on them. He started to check a few. Obviously, the um, the injury happened to Thiago Santos where he, he blew out the knees, but that was partly due to the fact that um, Jones was reading those leg kicks and, and making him mistime them and, uh, and land awkwardly on them. And... Um, and for me, if, if Santos, although it was a very close fight and possibly if Santos hadn't got the injuries, you never know what could have happened. But if Santos can't do it with that explosive style, those those kicks, I'm, I don't know whether Dominic Reyes can. I mean, um, not discluding his, his boxing in the slightest, he's a very good boxer as well. Um, we saw that in the, the, the Weidman fight, um, breaking and then landing the, the heavy hands and the ground and pound. But um, for me, Weidman, uh, when you look at his record recently, he's he's getting to the point now where he's uh, got to seriously start considering whether his future is in mixed martial arts because he's taken some huge L's. Recently. I don't know what we can really take from that, the level we can take from that. Ozdemir fight was very close. People argued that Volkan Ozdemir won that fight. I still think that Reyes edged it looking back. Um, but... <laughs> I just don't think there's anything that, that Reyes is going to be able to do that that John Jones hasn't seen before and that he'll be able to, to counteract. I, th- I think in order to beat John Jones, you have to be um, a combination of technical but aggressive. I don't think you can just try and stand and, and allow him his time and his range and, and try and out-technical John Jones because you're going to lose. And I don't. And, and for me, Thiago Santos, with his wild style, with his... Um, uh, you never know when he's going to pull out a crazy wheel kick or anything like that. And uh, uh, for me, he he's the kind of guy that stands the best chance at the moment of beating John Jones. And I don't think Reyes is that kind of style. I think he's uh, getting to the point now where he's a, um, he's a bit more, I don't want to say cautious, but he's he's not he doesn't throw caution to the wind quite as much as, as a Thiago Santos would or... Um, um, uh, 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 that kind of wild uh, unpredictableness, so to speak. So, for me, I think John Jones. I think it could be another fight that goes the distance. Reyes is a tough guy. Jones seems to have um, last couple of fights been happy just to kind of 
cruise through the rounds and not really push for the finish. Um, but I think it's going to be another fight similar to um, Anthony Smith. I think maybe a little bit closer than the Anthony Smith fight, but I think that John Jones is going to have enough in his locker to be able to be more technical than Dominic Reyes. Um, I think he'll start to read those kicks and, and, and start to time um, his attacks and, and counter Reyes. And for that reason, I think that John Jones is going to remain and still uh, the light heavyweight champion and get the win via decision. Yeah, I mean, you spoke about decline and, you know, it was something that, that I spent quite a few minutes of back on the UFC 239 podcast. And it's something that I still stand by, you know, I, I, I genuinely think he, he's on a decline. And like I said, I'm not going to go over exactly, you know, what I went over on the UFC 239 podcast. If you want that full detailed breakdown of, of why I think he's on a decline, then just hit up the YouTube channel and or, you know, any of the platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and go back and uh, and listen to that that episode but you know he's not the same fighter as what he was sort of five or six years ago so I still stand by the fact that he he is on a slight decline however when you're looking back watching tape on John Jones one one thing that I really noticed this time around and it really it really came to light during that last fight against Thiago Santos is he is on a decline in regards to his output, his finishing abilities, um, you know, his crazy, flashy, highlight reel strikes. But the one thing in that decline that I think he's got stronger in is his defensive ability. Now, in that Thiago Santos fight, honestly, his awareness of danger and being able to see things, see strikes coming before they're even anywhere close to hitting him is just it's just unbelievable and this is actually one reason why i think that this fight with dominic reyes is is going to be much easier for him than than his last fight which is crazy considering that the betting lines are a lot lower this time now i took tiago santos in that last fight the reason why i took him in that fight i even bet him small as well at plus 600 which you know for a plus 600 fighter in the eyes of the bookie that was a you know i was one judge away of, of cashing that that huge underdog so it was very close now the reason why i bet tiago santos in that fight is because like you said john john jones has seen everything and it's almost hard to 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 pick a style that is best suited to beating john jones and the one the, the one uh sort of trait or attribute of tiago santos that i thought would actually maybe catch John Jones off guard. And again, you touched upon it, John, is the explosiveness of the dude, the the coming forward with the big kick or the big, you know, the big hook. And John Jones dealt with it. So, you know, it's another thing that you can sort of tick off tick off the list on, on styles that might be John Jones, you know. In regards to Dominic Reyes, he does have he does have power in his hands. Of course he does. You know, he's got so many knockouts and he is a sniper, especially that straight left down the pipe, man. But I just don't think that's enough to beat John Jones. He has, you know, Dominic Reyes has wrestling. He's taken fighters down before. He's grappled. He, you know, he, he's worked on the mat. But again, is he going to present anything to John Jones that Jones just hasn't seen or dealt with before and beaten before? I just don't. I don't think he has. And the other thing with Reyes as well, the, the real big concern for me with Reyes is when you look back at his previous fights, he's very strong in round one. And I know he's come strong in later in fights as well, but the sharpness, the power, the accuracy and the hunger of Dominic Reyes does tend to wane a little bit the longer the fight goes on. And like I say, I'm not saying he's not dangerous in round two or three. Of course he is, but I'm just saying he is absolutely at his best in round one and then sort of like I say everything just just starts falling a little bit short a little bit shorter the longer the fight goes on 
And I almost think that that gives him a one-round window against John Jones. I think he, I think he's got a round to knock him out, and I actually think that he can be dangerous in that first round for John Jones. John Jones has got to be careful. He's got, he's got to watch himself in round one. But I think if it gets out of round one, it's just going to get easier and easier for John Jones as as the fight goes on, unless he gets sloppy and, and gets caught. But like I say, there's no historic proof to tell me that that's going to happen. I think his defensive awareness is is going to be key. I think once he gets out of that first round with Reyes, I, I think it's going to be a simpler fight for him I think John Jones again I think he's just going to put on a more of a technical clinic opposed to you know rushing for a finish or anything like that so yeah I've got John Jones to win this fight and I'm going to take him to win via decision and in the next fight in the co-main event it's another championship fight in the women's flyweight division we've got Valentina Shevchenko against Caitlin Chukagian Shevchenko currently sitting as a minus 1000 favorite the biggest favorite on the card with the comeback on Caitlin Chukagian at plus 650. John, who have you got? Uh, yeah, it's hard to, um, for me anyway, it's hard for me to get too overexcited about this fight because um, I think it's going to be uh, going to be quite one-sided and quite dominant, and I think uh, I've probably given it away straight away um, as to who I'm going to be picking in this fight. But, um, but yeah, for me, Valentina Shevchenko is... Um, is someone who's going to stay on top of this division for quite a long time. I mean, she's such a well-rounded fighter. She's so dangerous everywhere. She's um, when you look at her record, uh, the only losses that she's got uh, to Liz Carmouche way back in 20, uh, 2010, and then the two losses, of course, to Amanda Nunes. The second one of which was extremely close. And and Amanda Nunes is arguably the greatest female mixed martial artist of all time. That was only a couple of years ago, uh, back in twenty seventeen. Um, Obviously, a Nunes as well, when you you look at her, she's a lot physically bigger and, and more physically imposing than Shevchenko, and Shevchenko more than held her own in that fight. And, and I have seen people argue that Shevchenko won that fight as well and should have got the uh, the nod in the judges' eyes. But yeah, she's, she's just a, such a dangerous fighter because she is so well-rounded. She, um, her striking's good. She can fight going forward. She can fight moving backwards. Um, she's quick. I mean, the speed in which she, she threw out that um, that high kick against Jess Grind, the way that she sets her strikes up as well, um, low leg kick, low leg kick, low leg kick, body kick, and then fires out the head kick uh, to completely um, completely uh, stun Jessica Iam. And, and put her out, man. That was a that was a brutal knockout as well. She was um, she was out for some time as well. And uh, I mean, when you look, she uh, she dealt well with Joanna uh, Jacek, who obviously we know is a very very dangerous fighter herself. Um, got past Liz Carmouche with relative ease in the last fight. Um, so I think it's going to be a really hard fight for Caitlin Chikagian. I think it's going to be really hard for her to um, to really impose her her skill set in this fight and. When you look at Chikagian, the two things that spring to mind, uh, her strengths are the jab and um, and the leg kick, the low calf kick. She does utilise that low calf kick well. Um, she does utilise the jab well. She jabs from range as well. She So um, so she can keep the fight at her distance. And, and she does it well. She does it to, to good effect. But um, we've seen recently, I mean, only, it was only a couple of fights ago that she was, uh, she lost that split decision to Jessica I, which saw Jessica I get the, the title shot. Since then, she's gone on to beat Jojo Coldwood and Jennifer Meyer. But for me, th- these fighters just, just aren't on the same level as, as Valentina Shevchenko. And if, if Chikagin's going to win this fight, I think she's going to have to really, really ch- um, chop down that leg of, of Shevchenko's very early on, make her, 
pretty much immobile and then and then just try to pick her off from the outside. But I think that Valentina Shevchenko is such uh, such a good all-round mixed martial artist. Um, she she reads the fight so well. She reads her opponents well. She knows when to come forward. She knows when to to back off and counter. I just don't think Chukagin is is going to be able to impose that game plan now. Um, if Chikagin, like I say, if she does manage to land some uh, some heavy calf kicks and and try and stifle the movement of Shevchenko, and then she can start working that jab and finding the range and um, and 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 take a few rounds early on. It'll be interesting to see um, Shevchenko when she has to come forward and and constantly come on the attack, but. She's got so many weapons. I mean, she's she's got good wrestling as well. People forget about her wrestling. They just think she's all striking because she has got that that huge variety, head kicks, uh, spinning attacks. Um, but she's got good wrestling as well, and, and, and she utilizes it, and she mixes it in there so well. So for me, um, there's only one winner in this fight, um, and I think it's going to be Valentina Shevchenko. Chikagin's a tough opposition. I think it's another fight that's going to go to a decision. Uh, but yeah, again, for me, it's going to be and still Valentina Shevchenko to get the win of our decision. Yeah, man, it's always dangerous words saying uh, there's only one winner in this fight for sure. But no, I, <laughs> I get it, man. There's a reason why she's a minus 1,000 favourite. And, you know, just quickly on that betting line as well. Firstly, I think it's slightly off. Um, I, I would... I would edge towards uh, the opener, which opened at sort of like minus 500, minus 600, I think, uh, as being, uh, you know, a lot more justified. But, you know, again, I do get it at the same time as well, just because she has been do- so dominant. But the other side to this betting line as well, and it's something I was thinking about earlier on, in four of her last five fights, she's been, she's hit the minus 1,000 range or more. Uh, the only one she didn't was against Joanna and Jacek, which she was around a minus 300 favourite, I believe. Um Valentina Shevchenko is going to lose at some point. Like, and I, I just feel that with these, with the trend in her fights and the betting lines sort of being at minus 1,000 or more at some point, someone's going to cash really big on that underdog when she does lose. But as good as uh, as good as Chukagin is, and I, I do like her as a fighter, you know, I, I just don't, I just don't see her being this fight, unfortunately. She does have advantages though. Um, over Shevchenko and one of them is is the physical advantage in regards to the height because she's got a four inch height advantage over Shevchenko and with the way that Chukagin fights she does try to fight quite long has a nice uh, popping jab tries to keep range uses uh, low kicks and you know kicks up and down the body as well she, she does have that long style of fighting so Shevchenko is actually gonna have to work a little bit I think in this fight to you know to close the distance get inside to land the shots and Chukagin striking isn't bad either and if she can keep on the outside I mean I'm just presenting Potential pass to victory is, you know, for Chukagin. This is a mixed martial arts fight, four ounce gloves, anything can happen. So I just feel that if Chukagin can stay on the back foot, can keep at range, and she can do that discipline for five rounds, it may it may steal her some rounds in, in this fight. And I don't think it's going to be a clean 50-45 sweep either. So I do think Chukagin might win a round or two at most, but... Like I say, it's it, it's a very very tough ask. I actually think Shevchenko is gonna gonna use a lot of wrestling and um, and grappling in this in this fight with Chukagin just purely because of uh, of of how Chukagin fights. Like I said, she's got she's four inch taller. She fights long. She's got the nice jab. So I think as 
if this fight is kept on the feet, I just think Shevchenko, I think she will still win the fight, but I just think she will have to work a lot harder to win the fight than what she would if she just closes the distance that one time and takes her down and grapples her. And that also gives her the chance of a submission as well. However, it is worth noting that Caitlin Chukagin is a brown, Henzo Gracie brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So, you know, it's not as if she's a slouch on the ground either, but going style on style, I, I just think, uh, I think Shevchenko's just, slightly better everywhere like i say from a skill perspective i think she's the better technical striker i think she's the better wrestler i think she's the better grappler and i just feel that shevchenko has got multiple options of where to take this fight she could take what i believe is going to be the harder route on the feet or she can take the fight to the mat which like i say i don't think is going to be easy by any stretch but it's going to be more comfortable for her i believe than what it what it would be on the feet I don't think Shevchenko is gonna gonna grab a submission or a knockout in this fight. I think it's gonna be another fight that goes to decision. So for that reason, I'm gonna take Valentina Shevchenko to win. I'm gonna take it to win via decision. And in the next fight, we've got Juan Adams versus Justin Taffa in the UFC heavyweight division. We've got Juan Adams, the minus two forty favorite, the comeback on Justin Taffa plus two hundred. John, who have you got? Uh, yeah, I'm a bit, um, I'm a bit surprised that this fight is in the uh, in the number three slot on the main card. But, um, but you never know with those heavyweights what you're going to get. It's either going to be an absolute cracker and someone getting knocked out cold, or, um, or sometimes we've seen them go horribly wrong where, uh, where, where the guys gas out after, after two or three minutes and it's a lot of standing around doing nothing. But this is a really interesting fight because. Um, because these guys are, are, are big, strong, as you expect, heavyweights. I mean, uh, Justin Taffer is—he's uh, only got four professional fights um, on his on his record at the moment. But man, he—he's um, just such an aggressive guy. If you go back and look at any of his um, three fights before he joined the UFC and XFC, I mean, he won all three of those fights um, via knockout. He's got power in his hands. He's only quite short for um, <clears throat> for a heavyweight at at six foot, but um, but he he tends to weigh in on the uh, in on on around the uh, the heavyweight limit. So you know he's um, he's packing some power. As um, as we won Adams, he again he's another guy who who weighs in around the heavyweight limit, but he's a lot taller. He's got that height and reach advantage at six foot five. He's got a whole five inch height advantage on um, on Justin Taffer, but. For me, Juan Adams, I've I've been a little bit disappointed with him since um since that uh, that Chris De La Rocha fight. I mean, he he won in the uh, the contender series against uh, Sean Teed. Obviously, got the first round victory by ground and pound, and then um he he beat up De La Rocha, who who's had a head like steel in there in that fight and um, took everything that Adams had. Um, eventually, Adams had to throw the kitchen sink at him in round three to to finally finish him off, but. Bit disappointed um, against uh, Bueller and, and Greg Hardy in the last fight. I know Greg Hardy obviously is a tough, athletic guy, but um, but yeah, Adams kind of shot him for that takedown very early on in that fight. He got got reversed. Um, Hardy ended up on top, and and Adams just kind of held on to the single leg while while Hardy just rearranged his face with hammer fists, and uh, and eventually the referee stepped in and. Um, <laughs> It's going to be interesting to see how Adams comes back from this fight. I think I always tend to say uh, on these podcasts that if you're looking uh, down the barrel of your um, third straight defeat, that you're always um, looking down the barrel of your UFC marching papers, unfortunately. But I think it's a little bit different in the heavyweight division because it's a bit of a thinner division. Um, and and heavyweight's a bit of an anomaly sometimes. You can, you can get really good. 
um, heavyweights that, that go on a bit of a losing streak because of the power they hold, and it, it only takes one shot in that division to um, to be put away. But be interesting to see how Adams approaches his fight as he's, like I say, as he's looking at potentially a third straight defeat. Justin Taffer, like I say, he's very, very powerful. He's very strong. He's very aggressive, but. That worries me. I mean, we saw it in his fight against Jorgen de Castro that uh, they spent a good minute and a half or so tied up in the clinch against the um, against the fence, and uh, and I think that frustrated Taffer. And literally, he came almost running and sprinting at de Castro with his with his right hand cocked, ready to throw that big power right, and and de Castro just just countered it nicely and and put Taffer away and. And I think for me, if, if Taffer um, telegraphs those those shots uh, again in in such a manner, I think that he can. He's the kind of guy that can can get countered quite often because um, because that uh, you just can't go doing that at the at UFC level. You can't show your opponent what you're going to do with with such blatant, obvious disregard in the the way that he did in that fight against the Castro. And and I think if he does something similar against Adams. Adams has power as well. He can he can land that one shot, and uh, whether it knocks uh, knocks Taffer down or or whether it um, whether it knocks him out cold, uh, I think you get the win. But um, but maybe you never know with uh, because he's such because Taffer's only twenty five uh, twenty six years old. Sorry, he's only got four fights under his belt. Things like that can be improved upon very quickly. Um, if he was doing that kind of thing still 20 odd fights into career just winging bombs and uh, and not really setting up his shots I'd, I'd i'd be extremely worried but as he's so um so green he's so raw at the moment in his professional career that's something that with a good gym you can you can turn it around pretty quickly and you can kind of um iron out those uh, those errors so it is going to be interesting to see how he how he comes back in this fight but yeah for me i think uh Wan adams is, is going to edge this fight and i think he's going to get the win i think that that height advantage is going to pay dividends he's um He's, he's tall, he's got that long jab. I mean, I know we only saw 40-odd seconds of the fight against Greg Hardy, but straight away he was looking to pop that, that really heavy jab. Um, if he can do that and keep Taffer at the end of it, uh, if he can then get Taffer frustrated and throwing wild bombs, I think he can counter. I also think Adams has the ability to, to spend some time clinching up against Taffer and, and holding, him, holding him against the fence when he needs to. Um, for that reason... I'm picking Wad Adams to win this fight, and I think he wins it later on again, similar to the the De La Rocha fight. I think he'll um he'll either land a counter shot when Taffer gets frustrated, um and he'll get the victory. I just want to talk uh, a little bit about this fight. I've got a couple of things to mention with it. Firstly, this is the third fight from the end of a pay per view fight of a pay per view card, and it's lower tier UFC heavyweights fighting. Wan Adams is on a two fight losing streak. Taffer. He's on a one-fight losing streak from his UFC debut. So this is only his second fight in the UFC. It, to me, it makes absolutely no sense why mm. why this fight is so high up on, uh, on, a, on a pay-per-view portion or on a pay-per-view card. So it's a bit crazy. And the, the second thing that's crazy is the betting lines because Juan Adams at minus 240 is absolutely insane. Now, spoiler alert, I do think he wins this fight, but the odds are just crazy. Like... I just don't see how Juan Adams or what Juan Adams has done to to sort of justify being, you know, a moderately 
large favourite. And minus 240 is is fairly steep, you know. From the other side, that this is where the line's coming from because from the other side, you've got uh, Taffa, who has only had one fight in the UFC. He did get knocked out. It was, you know, relatively bad fight IQ to that led to the knockout. Um, in fights before the UFC, he has shown that uh, he does gas a little bit later on in rounds, but so does one Adams. When you look at one-shot knockout power, when you look at technical striking, Justin Taffa by far is the better technical striker, by far has the more power. And this is heavyweight division, you know, one one punch on the chin and, you know, that's it. It can be lights out. However, on the other hand with, with Juan Adams is the fact that he has that wrestling background. So he has the option to go for takedowns. If he gets on top of Taffa, I'm quite certain that Taffa isn't going to get up until he's either finished or the round ends. And the longer that goes on, so if Juan Adams doesn't finish him, the longer that top control, that top time goes on, the more tired Taffa's going to become. Then when he's stood back up for the next round or whatever, or if he does stand back up, he's going to get taken down again because he's tired. And then once he's tired, you know, he's going to struggle to get back up. And it's just going to be it's going to be one of those fights where it just gets easier for Juan Adams as it goes along. But, man, you just don't know what you're going to get with Juan Adams. Is he going to shoot takedowns? Is he just going to be happy? Is he going to test his strike? And is he going to want that big knockout to put his name back on the map? Opposed to, you know, coming off a two-fight losing streak, taking a fighter down and laying on top of him for three rounds. You know, does he, does he have that fire? Does he think, do you know what? The UFC need to know my name again. The fans need to know my name. I'm on a John Jones card. These people need to know who I am. Does he go out there with that mentality and try and knock Taffer out? Because if he does that, Taffer is going to knock him out. So it's, like I say, it's one of those fights where I'm just finding it so hard to call. If this fight does go into round two and round three, who's going to be more tired? Are they both just going to be gasping for air and the volume so low and then it is going to go on to a decision? There's a lot of questions about this fight and there's a lot of question marks, especially surrounding both fighters. Now, I'm going to lean towards uh, the wrestling side of, of Juan Adams. I think that he, he has to come out with that mentality of, you know, I, I get that he might think, oh, okay, it's my big opportunity to get a knockout on a big card and put my, you know, put my name back on the the map on the UFC heavyweight division. But he's got to get the win first and foremost. That's got to be the only thing that he needs to think about. And if he does have that mentality, which I, you know, I, I tend to think that he will, he's going to go out there and he's going to take Taffa down. He's going to, you know, wear him out on the mat, be heavy on top. I think it will go into, you know, the later rounds. And in that scenario, I do think Taffa gets so tired and then Juan Adams comes along with the ground and pound, starts laying it on him thick towards the end of the fight and finishes him. So I am going to take Juan Adams to win and I'm going to take him to win via knockout. And in the next fight, we've got a really good fight here. It's one of my favourite fights on the entire card. It's Mersad Bektic versus Dan Ige. Bektic currently the minus 130 favourite with the comeback on Dan Ige at plus 110. John, who have you got? Yeah, um, I'm going to echo exactly the same thing that you've just said in that, um, that this is one of my favourite fights on the fight card, man. This is um, this is possibly my favourite fight on this fight card, actually. I think I'm I'm probably more excited for this fight than I am the uh, the, the main event with John Jones fighting and uh, 
and yeah, this uh, this fight has the potential to to be really action packed, to, to to have fireworks. Obviously, I know that Mursad Bektic is coming into this fight off a loss. He lost to um, to Josh Emmett uh, in his last fight, but he had back to back wins prior to that against Ricardo Lamas and uh, Godfredo Pepe. Obviously, again before that, he lost to Darren Elkins, but. That was um, possibly, if you haven't seen that fight before, go and watch it because um, that just showed the true level of heart that Darren Elkins had because Bektic beat him up, literally beat him up to a pulp for two rounds and then um, and then Elkins came back when uh, when Bektic started to slow in the third round. Danny Ige has, has really turned a corner, um, in my opinion, in his last few fights. I mean... He's now looking at, he's, won, he's on a four-fight win streak, wins over Kevin Aguilar, Danny Hemre, Jordan Griffin and Mike Santiago. Um, he, and he's looking at really, really um, good, solid um, prospect in this division. He, he's got a good, um, good skill set. He's very well-rounded. And, and for me, this fight is going to play out really interestingly because... Bektic, for me, uh, is the better wrestler too. He's got really good wrestling. Um, I know he spent some time before training with uh, with Jordan Burroughs, who I know is a fantastic uh, collegiate wrestler out there in uh, in the United States. Um, Bektic has a wrestling background, um, but he's also a very capable and solid striker. Now, the Josh Emmett fight, I think he relied a bit too much on that striking. He didn't attempt any takedowns from, uh, from what I recall. I know Josh Emmett is a good wrestler himself so maybe he thought that he wasn't going to get those takedowns so he wasn't going to attempt them but um, my favourite Mursad Bektic is the Mursad Bektic that that throws in those takedown attempts even if uh, they're not always successful just that thought in the back of your mind as his opponent that Bektic is a good solid wrestler Um, he is looking to take me down it kind of just gets you second guessing it kind of just um, makes you think before you strike Uh, it it makes you a little bit more cautious when you're attacking because you don't want to throw caution to the wind and 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 have Bektic duck under one of your strikes and and take you down so it's going to be really interesting Um, but like I say, Bektic has got good striking. You know, we saw that against Josh Shemmett. He's got a really good, um, and, and a, a technique that he utilizes over and over again is that 1-1-2. One, one, he used it so many times against Josh Shemmett. Throws the double jab and then throws the right hand straight behind it. And as much as it worked, it, 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 and, and I like that combination, it also worries me because he, he does tend to, to come forward in quite linear motion, head down the centre line when he throws it, especially against Josh Emmett. There's a couple of times where Emmett nearly caught him with a counter strike, and he nearly, um, he nearly just uh, slipped back that pullback counter shot, and um, and then eventually uh, it was when Bettich kind of came stepping in, looking for what I think was that one-one-two again that uh, that Emmett landed the power uh, the power jab and uh, and put him down and, and finished off with the ground and pound. And for me. Ige, um, his opponent, he has good, solid top pressure when he gets on top. I don't think his wrestling is as good as Bektic. Um, I don't think his um, his takedown ability is as good. I don't think his offensive wrestling is quite as good. But he has solid top control when he gets on top of you. He he he's got a good base. He he's, uh, lays a good foundation. Um, he's sensible with his ground and pound. He doesn't open up any opportunities really for uh, for too many submission attempts. I know that um, he had to work his way out of a couple in there. I think it was the last fight against Kevin Aguilar. But uh, as a general rule, he he. he Keeps it pretty steady on the ground, uh, lands some heavy shots, uh, does enough to, to um, whilst in the guard to uh, 
um, to stop the referee from from separating them. Then looks to advance position. Uh, but it's just a case of whether he can get the fight to the ground. So if the fight stays standing, again, uh, it, it gets quite interesting because for me, Dan Ige is the probably the slightly quicker and <coughs> slightly more elusive striker. Bektic, I think, throws with more power when you look at his fight, especially, again, that Josh Emmett fight. He's throwing everything with uh, with knockout intentions, whereas I think Dan Ige probably looks to um, throw his strikes a little bit quicker, but uh, with not quite the same amount of power. So if this stays standing, it's going to be really interesting because uh, you've got Bektic, who they're both very capable strikers. You've got Bektic, who's throwing power shots um, and then you've got Dan Ige who's a bit more elusive a little bit quicker I think with his striking but possibly not doing as much damage uh, and not quite as um, as, as heavy handed as Bektic so it's really for me this fight depends on how Bektic plays it rather than what Dan Ige does in particular because I think if Bektic decides to mix in takedowns and takedown attempts I think he will win this fight I think he will um, I think he will take a decision I think he'll be able to have an equal measure of success striking. Maybe the striking will, will slightly um, favour Ige, but then when he lands those takedowns and has some top time, lands some ground and pound, um, those close stand-up exchanges will then obviously lean towards uh, Bektic in the judges' eyes because he's got that takedown. But if he decides not to throw in takedown attempts, if he decides just to keep this standing, I think this could be a really close fight. And I think it's a fight that Dan Ige could definitely win if, he, if like I say, he stays uh, elusive, he stays quick, keeps moving his head off the centre line. Um, watch out for that 1-1-2. One, one, if, uh, if he can slip those strikes and land his counter, uh, I think he'll have a, a great deal of success. But... For me, I think Bektic is just going to edge this fight. I do think he's going to mix in some takedowns. Um, but I think it's going to be an absolute banger. I think both guys are going to still trade heavy on the feet. I, I do think there will be a lot of striking exchanges. I think it's got potential to be fight of the night. Uh, but for me, I'm going with Merced Bektic to edge this and win via decision. Yeah, like I said at uh, the start of this introduction, you know, this is this is one fight I'm definitely looking forward to. And, you know, I've been high on Bektic for a long time and, you know, purely because of his style. You know, everybody knows that I love wrestlers. And when he came into the UFC, he was double-legging everybody into oblivion, you know. <clears throat> his wrestling is, is very, very strong. And, you know, I know I faded him against Josh Emmett, but I did that uh, a decent plus, no, uh, plus money line. I think it was like plus 140. Um, Emmett got the finish in the first round. I didn't quite expect it to go, you know, to go like that, but I saw advantages that, that Emmett had. And for me, Emmett is one of the best fighters in the division and certainly the, the hardest hitter in the division. So, you know, there was reasons for that. But Bektic as a as a fighter, I've been I've been really high on him for a long time. And, you know, Dan Ige is another fighter in his last fight out. Really, really impressed me. Again, I bet him as an underdog. I think it was Again, around the plus 140 line, uh, I can't remember the exact number, but, um, you know, I I expected him to go out there and, and put on a good performance and, and take the win, but I did not expect him to put on a striking clinic against Kevin Aguilar. You know, I thought it was going to be a more wrestling-based um, a wrestling based fight from Ige's point of view. So, to me, this fight is just... Is just unbelievably great stylistically because Bektic is like you've, we've already mentioned is a very strong wrestler. Dan Ige's jiu-jitsu, his wrestling isn't as good as as Bektic's, but 
his jujitsu for sure um is is very very good and you know he can create scrambles he can get sweeps and reversals as long as he doesn't get his back flattened to the mat and this is one this is one area that worries me about Ige because if Ige's opponent can take him down can settle him and can get his back on the mat Ige to in tape doesn't really show too much urgency um to really get back up to his feet or to sweep or to reverse and or throw up a triangle or an armbar. He, he does tend to lay there for long periods on his back and that's definitely a worry against uh, against Bettich. But Bettich has got to get him to that point where he's flat on his back and that's not easy because, like I say, Ige does create scrambling opportunities. And if it's against the cage, he uses the cage really well in these scrambling opportunities and also uh, to start stand back up and reset as well. So... From from this wrestling and grappling perspective, I think it's very, very interesting. Now, a worry from Bektic's side for me is his chin because, you know, he got knocked out. Well, he didn't get knocked out by Josh Emmett, but he got he got brutally finished. But it all started from, from a snapping jab. Now, admittedly, hmm. obviously, Emmett does hit hard, as I've already mentioned. There is pop on the jab, but he got dropped hard by a jab, which is concerning considering you go back and watch the Darren Elkins fight where he dominates him for three well for almost three rounds and then they stand back up and then Elkins finishes him and that was a horrible knockout so for me the worry for Bektic is um is his chin at this point now Dan Ige is not really known as as a knockout guy, a guy that carries huge power. But listen, like I say, in that Kevin Aguilar fight, he really, really impressed me. And he hurt Aguilar multiple times. And Aguilar is is a very, very tough fighter. You know, he's going he's gonna to almost take a sledgehammer around his dome to, to put the dude out, you know. And Ige tried, Ige tried everything, but he was hurting Aguilar. And I just feel that... If he has that sort of performance, and if he if he puts that sort of power on Bektic's chin to what he did against Kevin Aguilar, who by the way Aguilar is a very technical striker, he's more technical than Bektic. So I feel that if if Ige can do that to Aguilar, he could do it to Bektic while this fight's on the feet for as long as it stays on the feet. And if that happens, he will not Bektic out. So again, this I've I've got. That, that's my worry for Bektic, and that's where I see Aguilar performing really well. Now, is Aguilar going to go out there and take Bektic down? I'm not too sure. I, I wouldn't rule it out, but I just feel that the better wrestler in regards to the takedown shots is Bektic. But whilst they're on the mat, that's when Ige can really start creating scrambling opportunities and reversing. And I actually think that when it gets in those positions, Ige's going to have an advantage. So I do think he's going to get taken down, but I think in the midst of that that takedown shot I think he's going to be able to create opportunities to get on top of Bektic I think if he gets on top of Bektic he can stay there because like I say my worry for Ige was he's a little bit um a little bit inactive off his back but when he's on top he's very active always looking to pass always looking to better his position and he's got good top control as well so I just feel that there's more advantages in this fight for Ige if he can get on top advantage if it stays striking I really like Ige to knock Bektic out but this is the I'm, I'm ultimately going you know this is going to be the first fight we go against each other john you know i'm going to pick danny gay to win the fight but this is for me something that you cannot ignore in mixed martial arts something that's happening with Ige right now it's the development from fight to fight Ige is mm. looking so much better every single time we've seen him the julio arsa fight in his debut wasn't that spectacular then he goes out there and blitzes Mike Santiago. Then he's got a tough fight against Jordan Griffin. You know, like I say, put through some adversity, 
got through it, got the win. Then he goes out there against Danny Henry and smokes him. Then he goes out there against Kevin Aguilar and puts on the best performance we've seen to date. The dude, you can't ignore development in this game. The dude is looking better and better each time. I actually think Danny Ige is going to knock, going to knock Bektic out in, in some striking exchanges. I, I really don't trust Bektic's chin at this point. I've seen Danny Ige hurt someone really tough like Kevin Aguilar. I see him developing. I see him getting stronger. I see his punches getting crisper. I think his counters are better. And I, like I say, all fights start standing. Bektic might score a few takedowns initially. But I think at some point on the feet, Danny Ige is going to land a shot that puts Bektic out. So I'm going to take Danny Ige to win. I'm going to take him to win via knockout. And in the last fight on the main card, we've got Derek Lewis versus the heavyweight newcomer, Ilya Latifi. Derek Lewis currently sitting as a minus 250 favourite with the comeback on Latifi plus 210. John, who have you got? Yeah, this is really interesting. Obviously, Latifi made the um, made the move up to heavyweight after suffering back-to-back losses against uh, Volkan Ozdemir and, and Corey Anderson. And um, we've spoke before on this um, on this podcast about fighters moving up and, and the benefits of moving up and fighting at the weight class above the uh, where they're currently fighting. But for me, this one this one seems a little strange, you know. Latifi, I know that he's he's a big guy. He's he's built like a brick shit house, and um, and 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 he's just pretty much pure muscle. But um, yeah. but for me, he just doesn't. It's a strange move, move to to heavyweight because I just don't think he has the frame for it now. If you've got a, a, a six foot heavyweight, I mean they're they're considered. We spoke in the breakdown earlier. The uh, Justin Taffer breakdown. He's six foot, and and I'd class him probably on the small side of, of heavyweight. But um, Ilya Latifi at, at five foot eight for a heavyweight, it's it, it really does worry me, especially going up against a, a big imposing guy like uh, like Derek Lewis on um, on your heavyweight debut. Um, Lewis is about six three, six four. Always weighs in um, on the, the that heavyweight limit of of two hundred sixty five pounds. I believe he has to cut weight to get to uh, to get to the two hundred sixty five pound heavyweight limit normally. Um, it'll be interesting to see what um, what Latifi weighs in, uh, what sort of weight he comes in at. I'm <laughs> I'm imagining somewhere around maybe two thirty ish, two forty. Um, but I think he's, uh, I think he's going to be giving up a lot of uh, weight to Derek Lewis. I think he's, well, we definitely know he's going to be giving up a lot of size, as in height and reach. So for me, it's going to be really difficult for for him to, um, for him to really impose himself in this fight now. Both guys are known and talked about quite a lot for um, for their gas tanks. Obviously, people have spoke before about Derek Lewis gassing out. Um, Ilya Latifi's notorious for gassing out. Uh, him moving up to heavyweight, I don't think that's something that really helps um, his gas tank either because he's he's such so muscly and so big. I don't really think that. Um, that it's it's going to work wonders for him. Um, maybe the thing that will work wonders is the fact that the heavyweight division is is slower, so he'll he'll have some speed advantage over guys um, because they're slower. Because they're slower, his opponents are slower. Uh, the pace of the fight is naturally slower, so maybe in that sense he may not gas out as quickly. But his own output, I, I still think, because he's uh, all the oxygen needed to to feed those muscles of his, I think. Um, I, I still don't think he's he's going to have a particularly great gas tank. Um, 
and and I think this fight is going to be quite quite a slow and, and plodding pace with two guys throwing heavy bombs at each other. And Latif is a good wrestler if he can get on the inside and and and, and get close to Derek Lewis. It'd be interesting to see if he can take him down. I think he may be able to. Um, Lewis is a guy that he can take down, but he has got pretty good um, pretty good explosiveness when he's on the mat to to get back to his feet. Um, but for me. Terry Lewis, he's, he, he's just he's just going to be too big. I just think the fact that Lewis as well, he, he's a heavyweight that will, despite his, his size, he's a heavyweight that will throw in um, a lot of kicks as well. And I just think that Latifi is going to be on uh, on the end of, of everything. I think he's going to find it really hard at, um, with his frame, his size, 5 foot 8. I think he's going to find it really hard um, getting on the inside to, to, to land his shots. Um, Derek Lewis has got a good chin. Uh, so I, I, although Latifi's nickname is the Sledgehammer, I, I'm not 100% sure whether Latifi will be able to put him away if he, if he can um, land one shot, possibly, obviously with that extra weight behind him. Um, you never know. But but for me, I just think that, that Derek Lewis is going to be too big in this fight. And I don't think that Ilya Latifi is the... The, the kind of it's got the kind of style the kind of uh, tactic that that can beat Derek Lewis I think the, to beat Derek Lewis you've got to be um, quick agile work well behind a jab kind of the um, like the, um, the the Alexander Volkov fight just constantly moving constantly elusive I know that Volkov lost that fight but he he won um, 14 and a half minutes of the fight before um, before he got 14 caught 14 minutes 50 seconds yeah, yeah. Before he got, <laughs> I remember um, it well. <laughs> before he got caught, and, uh, and and that was his own his own uh, his own doing, really. I think that's the kind of style that you need to have to be able to be constantly moving, constantly quick, working behind the jab. And I don't think Latifi's going to be able to do that. I don't think he's going to be able to work behind the jab because of the size difference. He may be a little bit quicker um, because obviously coming up from from light heavyweight, but. I don't think I don't think it's in Latifi's nature to be the kind of guy who to be who to be constantly moving, constantly throwing shots, one twos, um, and then slipping, moving. I I just don't see it from Latifi. So for that reason, I think that Derek Lewis is going to win this fight. Um, I also think that as the fight goes later on, Lewis has shown that he, he still holds a lot of power in the later rounds. I do think he may be able to um, to hit Latifi with something and, and, and set off a finishing to, uh, finishing sequence. Uh, so for that reason, I'm, I'm going to go with Derek Lewis to win this fight. Uh, I think he wins via knockout uh, later in this fight, round three, possibly late round two. I mean, first and foremost, Brick Shithouse. And that's the first time you've sworn on this podcast, Jonathan. We don't need uh, we don't need that poor language on here, my friend. Uh, um, but, uh, it's all good, man. So listen, it, when when Latifi first first announced he was going to everywhere, I thought, okay, this is this is interesting. Um, wasn't too sure what to make of it, and then it comes out that his first fight is against Derek Lewis. So not only has he moved up to to heavyweight, he's probably picked the biggest fucker in the division, you know. So at that point, I'm thinking. What is the guy doing? But then the more and more you think of it, you know, take away the opponent side of it. I, I do sort of get it. You know, he got brutally knocked out in his in his last fight, but he took a big beating before that knockout before it anyway. Um, again, another fight that I bet uh, I bet and won in regards to Volkan Ozdemir did exactly what I thought he was going to do to Latifi. Um, so then Latifi's been brutally knocked out. He's at a stage in his career where, I, to be honest with you, I, I don't mean any disrespect. I, I'm not sure how how many more fights that, that the dude's got left. Um, 
he probably doesn't want to cut any weight. I, I did hear uh, somewhere online that he, he normally walks around at about 240 pounds, so I'd imagine he weighs in at about that as well. So he probably just wants fights now where he doesn't have to cut weight. And like you said, he might think that he's got a speed advantage moving up to heavyweight, but I really don't think that's the case at all. Um, in fact, I think it, I think it's probably going to make him slower, you know, weighing in with you know with more weight. So five foot ten. Daniel Cormier is classed as a small heavyweight, 5'11". So Latif is smaller than Dan, uh, than Daniel Cormier. And, you know, what Cormier can get away with in that division is speed. You know, he has got good good, good speed on his hands. He's a quick mover. Latif, he really isn't. And like I say, I think he is, you know, heading towards the latter end of his uh, mixed martial arts career as well. So I just, I really struggle seeing Latifi winning this fight outside of, you know, winging a big overhand and knocking Derek Lewis out. But I mean, how many times have we seen Derek Lewis knocked out with one punch? You know, he's a, he's a tough guy. And actually, even though it's Latifi moving up, actually, when he, he you know, he's probably going to give away, you know, 20, 25 pounds to Derek Lewis. I think Derek Lewis is still the faster fighter. You know, I, he's quite... He's quite athletic for for a really big guy, and I know that's crazy to you know to hear for anybody that's listening. But you know he does throw jump knees, he does throw head kicks, and yeah, he has his moments of inactivity. Of course, he does. He's a big dude. It's heavyweight. You know, the majority of the fighters do. They have to because they're so damn big. But you know, I I just feel that Derek Lewis is going to be the faster, more athletic fighter, and you know, most of his career he was fighting on like torn ACLs, MCLs, and he had uh, he had issues with his back as well. He's had all that stuff fixed, and I, and it, all that stuff. Were, the final thing I th- I'm I'm sure was his knees before his last fight that he got fixed, and then mm. na- then he had, obviously had his knees fixed. Then he had his back fixed before that, and then he went on this strength and nutrition program with with this new guy. I don't remember his name, um, but he's now looking to improve his his strength and conditioning. And in his last fight against Ivanov, you know, he, there was a lot of clinching going on, a lot of tough work and. You know, he ended up, he wasn't looking tired or anything in round three. He did look better, even though it was a slow fight in regards to, um, in regards to like his physical health and his gas tank. So his corner, I think, said something like this was only phase one of it. So they're obviously going to continue with this as well. So there's a huge chance that he, he looks even better this time out as well. And like I say, I think Latifi coming off uh, a bad knockout loss. I think he's moving up to heavyweight. He's picked, like I've said, probably the biggest heavyweight that he could probably pick. The most dangerous, one of the most dangerous heavyweights that he could probably pick. You know, the guy that's just got fists made of stone. And listen, I'll say this right now. If uh, if Latifi takes anything like what Ivanov took, he is going out. I I don't know how Ivanov was conscious in that fight. Props props to Blagoj Ivanov because... I got no idea what that dude was made of. I thought I thought it at the time when I watched it, but when I rewatched tape, I was just like, "Wow, he hit him with clean elbows, clean knees, clean straight right hands. He hit him with everything, and the dude would not go out. That's not going to be the case here with Latifi. There is a chance that Latifi, um, because of the height difference, is going to be much closer to the hips. So taking Derek Lewis down is definitely an option. Can he take him down? Uh, you know, that remains, to, you know, we'll, we'll find out on Saturday night. I'm not too sure. But if he does take him down, it's A, going to expend energy, definitely lifting a guy at £265 up. And B, Derek Lewis has got some of the most underrated get-up games I've ever seen in MMA. He'll lay there and he'll look like he's settled on his back and you'll be thinking, come on, get up. And then suddenly he'll just explode and exit out of the weirdest position that you would never even think that 
an exit was even possible. And he'll just do that because he's just, like I say, he's big, he's powerful, he's explosive. So he's got some good get-ups as well. So if Latifi does take him down once or twice, I actually think that'll hurt Latifi more than do him good. So this is what I mean. I just feel like there's a lot of advantages on Derek Lewis's side. He's also fighting at home in Texas, uh, Houston, Texas as well. So there's that. I think Derek Lewis is going to knock him out. I think Latifi might get a couple of takedowns early on. I think come the second round, he's going to be tired. I think uh, he's going to back up to the cage. Lewis is going to throw an onslaught on him and just absolutely slaughter him against the cage. So I've got Derek Lewis to win this fight. I'm going to take him to win via knockout. And with the main card breakdowns complete, we'll now quick fire off the remaining prelims. And first up is Trevin Giles versus Antonio Ahoyo. John, who have you got? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this fight plays out. I mean, Trevin Giles hasn't performed badly in his last two fights at all against uh, Mearshart and, and Zach Cummins. Um, I think his own fight IQ cost him in that Mearshart fight. Kept going to the ground with him. Um, would have done a lot better just standing up and, and, and trading, I think. Um, <laughs> Zach Cummins, I interviewed Zach Cummins after that fight. And Zach Cummins said that Giles hits hard, man. Although uh, Cummins got the win by uh, submission. Um, he, he said that, that that right hand from Giles is dangerous, and that's his best weapon, that, that straight right. Now, Ahoyo, um, obviously we saw him lose his debut against uh, Andre Muniz. He lost that uh, that decision. He's got a couple of wins on Dana White's Contender Series. That fight against Stephen um, Regman, um, he, he was utilising a lot of kicks, um, putting on a lot of pressure, piling on the pressure with the kicks before he uh, he eventually got the win by arm, uh, arm triangle choke. But... Uh, I like Giles, although he's lost uh, lost back-to-back fights. I think he he's got good striking. Um, he did some good things on the ground against uh, Mearshart, who's a very dangerous, uh, very dangerous guy on the on the mat. Um, I just think it was his IQ that cost him that fight. I think if he if he keeps his fight um, standing with uh, with Ohio and he keeps landing that that straight right, that big right hand of his, uh, I think he can have success and, uh, and and get the victory in this fight. So I'm going with Trevor Giles to win this fight via decision. See, I almost think it's the other way around here because I think if it stays on the feet, Ohio's Ohio's leg kicks are just brutal, and I think he can beat Giles up on the feet. Um, you know, he's got a good one twos as well, Ohio. He's actually not a bad striker when when you look at his uh, when you look at his style. But the the one concern that I've got is gas tank with Ohio and also takedown defense. Now. He did get taken down a few times by Muniz, and Muniz did tire him out with top control. But, you know, part of me looks at Muniz and think, listen, he was a legit grappler, and that's what legit grapplers can do to you. You know, Trevin Giles, as jiu-jitsu, is not on that level of Andre Muniz. So um, I do think that uh, Trevin Giles should try and take Ahoyo down if, if he wants to win this fight convincingly. But I'm not convinced that Ahoyo goes down very easily. I think if anyone's gas tank wears... Going down the stretch, I think it's probably going to be a Hoyos. But if a Hoyos already one or two rounds up at this point and then ties in the third and sees out a decision, then he's going to win the fight. So for that reason, I think a Hoyos got more paths to victory to beat Trevin Giles in this fight. If it stays on the feet, he's going to land, you know, those sledgehammer kicks and you know come forward with his one twos, try and push Giles back. And if he can just stay vertical for a couple of rounds or at least just get back up to his feet as soon as taken down. I think it'll definitely serve him well in this fight. So I'm actually going to take Antonio Ahoyo to win. I'm going to take him to win via decision. And in the next fight, we've got Alex Morono versus newcomer Callan Williams. John, who have you got? Yeah, it's going to be, um, again, this has got potential to be a fun fight. Morono, um, he, he, he's a bit of a wild um 
wild attacker. He, he he'll he'll throw a lot of hooks. He'll um, he'll throw caution to wind. I think in his last three fights that um, Son Kenan fight, the Zach Otto fight, and the the Max Griffin fight in his last fight, we've we've seen a bit more of a patient and matured um, Alex Moreno. I think previously he, he he would go overboard with the uh, with the aggressiveness but um he seems to have toned it down slightly and, and kind of knows when to when to use it when to throw the bombs but my, wor- my worry with uh, Morono is the amount of times he does tend to throw those hooks, those big looping wild hooks. If you can catch him with um, with uh, with any kind of big straight shots, I, I think you you stand a chance of, of of hurting him and catching him. But he's a tough guy and he's a hard guy to put away if you do catch him. So uh, so you've got to catch him clean. Uh, fighting against the newcomer Callum Williams. Um, I haven't seen a great deal from uh, from this guy, but uh, from what I've seen, he's a pretty well-rounded fighter. He, he, he's got decent wrestling. He will mix in takedowns. Um, he, he does like to um, like to, to throw uh, throw a lot of kicks as well. Um, I, I watched a bit of the uh, the Tony Harvey fight, um, and um, and he mixed things in well. Then he, he looks a, a very solid all-round fighter. He looks like he's got decent power as well. When you look at his record, he's um, He's got first round victories over uh, JP St. Louis, um, a victory over, uh, 24 seconds over Bo Yan. He fought Jeremy Holloway in his last fight. Yeah, but for me, um, Morono, his experience um, is going to be too much. Like I say, he's a, he's a tough guy to put away. If he, if he loses, it, um, yeah, it, it tends to be via decision, especially since he, uh, he came into the UFC. Um, but for me, it's, it's going to be Morono. I think his aggressiveness, I think he's going to be able to land strikes. Um, the fact that he utilises that aggressiveness at the right times now as well leaves him less vulnerable to, to those counter shots. And uh, for that reason, I think that Alex Morono is going to win this fight. Yeah, Morono made a great career decision moving over to Fortis MMA. And he, he has looked a lot better since uh, since he moved over there as well. And especially in his last fight against Max Griffin, like you said, John, as well, he, he has really sort of toned the aggression down a little bit and he's starting to look a lot more technical, finding his uh, strikes, becoming more accurate, becoming more efficient as well. So, I like I say, it was a great career decision to move over there and a lot of fighters have made that move and are performing well as well. Um, Kellen Williams on, on the other side, though, is a guy that... I'm not, you know, I'm I'm always happy for for mixed martial artists to get their shot in the UFC and to get their shot in the big time because, listen, they put the bodies on the line for us regionally and you know they go through so much hardship having to hold down a few, you know, multiple jobs and all that sort of stuff. So I do like it when a fighter gets the break, but I just right now and he could prove me wrong on the night. I just don't think uh, I don't think he's at that that level just yet and like. He's got good ground and pound, and he is big, he's strong, he's aggressive. But it's just his technical striking for me. I just don't think it's anywhere close to the level of someone like Alex Morono, and he'll throw he'll throw wild punches as well. It's almost like the old school Derek Brunson, you know, with the chin out in the air and marching forward and winging wild shots. And I just don't, I just do not think that's going to cut it right now. And against Alex Morono in this fight, so. I think that Morono is going to have to weather a storm for sure because I think Williams are going to be fired up. I think he's going to come out of the traps like a bull winging wild shots. But I think if Morono can get past that, which UFC vet experience tells me that he should do, I think uh, Williams is going to tire a little bit the longer the fight goes on. And I actually see Morono scoring a, a late 
stoppage in the fight as well. So I'm going to take Alex Morono to win. I'm going to take him to win via knockout. And in the next fight, we've got Lauren Murphy versus Andrea Lee. John, who have you got? Yeah, this is an interesting fight because um, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence as to um, as to who I'm picking. I mean, uh, Lauren Murphy looked really good in that last fight against uh, Barella. Uh, obviously, got the win in the third round. She she timed her opponent. She she got a good read um, uh, to to land that knee and the follow up strikes. Um, and no, sorry, she she landed the uppercut to start the the, the sequence. She she read the uh, the shot coming in, and then um, and then she landed the knee to to finish things off. And when you look at her career. She's only really lost to to good solid opponents, Ciara Eubanks, um, Kaylin Chukagian, who we spoke about earlier on, Liz Carmouche, who um, challenged uh, Shevchenko for the title recently, and, and Sarah McMahon, who's um, who's had a, a good solid career. But when you also look at um, at her wins, I mean, she, she doesn't really hold any any great wins on her on her record either. None of the real topper or, or elite level fighters. So she's got that Barella win, Barb uh, Barb Honchak, um, and, and 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 then you're looking at Kelly Fasholtz, um in the UFC, and then she's got wins in um, in Invicta previous, but. Uh, Andrea Lee, she's a dangerous opponent. She's long. She utilises those kicks well. She's very dangerous when the fight hits the mat. Um, I still can't really work out whether I think she's better when she's uh, when she's on the ground. She's dangerous there, or whether she's better striking. She she's a very well-rounded fighter, and uh, obviously she lost a last fight that's a close split decision to Jojo Caldwell, but I, I, I do like um, Andrea Lee's versatility. Like I say, she's she's pretty well-rounded she's good in the clinch um she's she's good when he hits the mat uh she's she's a decent striker and um and yeah it's going to be a tough uh tough contest i think it's going to be a close fight um i don't think either fighter is um is going to get the the finish i think it is going to go to a decision um but i'm um, i'm edging toward andrew lee in this fight i just think she um uh, I, I just like the, the the amount of tools she has in her arsenal i like those kicks that she throws i think Lauren murphy may be slightly better with the uh with the boxing she looked crisp in her in her last fight against barella but um but yeah, I, th- I think that Andrew Lee is going to um, going to edge this fight and win a decision. Yeah, I totally agree with you when you said that. Um, you know, you don't you don't know where where she's better. Is she better striking? Is she better, you know, wrestling and grappling? But I actually think that's a, that's a good thing, and I almost think it it shows how solid she is everywhere. And I I do think she is a really good all round fighter. And I think the the key thing for me in this fight is. If it hits the mat, I think it's going to be Andrea Lee that's uh, that's going to be offensive, that's going to use a wrestling, and that's going to look to um, you know settle on top of Lauren Murphy. The one thing she's got to be careful of though is Murphy's got really um, flexible legs. You know she can pull a leg over into go go plats positions and stuff like that so you know she has to be very careful if she's going to stay in guard but on the feet is where I think the fight is going to be won and lost and I just see Andrea Lee being that bit quicker that bit sharper that bit accurate with with the striking I think she's going to be able to come in and out without taking too much damage from Murphy Murphy does hit hard and she's actually really strong as well which is something again Andrea Lee's got to be concerned about because Andrea Lee tends to fight women that aren't as uh, physically imposing 
so she's able to get away with striking she's able to get away with if she's taken down she can stand back up but lauren murphy is physically opposing she could push andrea lee back up to the cage she could pin her there for long periods run the clock down waste time on the clock winning rounds winning minutes that sort of thing so she has she has got paths to victory in my opinion but i just feel when you're looking at the technical abilities of these two women i just think lee is 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 more superior as, as a striker and like i say if she is taken down we've seen her getting taken down by by Montana de la Rosa who's a good grappler and she was able to stand back up four or five times against her so um you know I I don't think that's too much of a concern um if you're in the corner of Andrea Lee but yeah I think I think she's got more ways to win this fight like I said just due to her being so well-rounded she's just got to stay out of this physically imposing you know a physical fight getting into clinches too often getting herself pushed back pushed against the cage but if she does that i think she wins this fight and i don't think she stops lauren murphy i think like you say it's going to be a decision so i'm going to take andrea lee to win i'm going to take her to win via decision and in the next fight we've got miles johns versus mario bautista john who have you got yeah, again, uh, again, this is um, for me a, another quite close fight, um, and I'm interested to see how this uh, this plays out. Obviously, Mark John um, won his last fight a very close split decision uh, against Cole Smith. Cole Smith spent a lot of time on uh, Mark John's back, from uh, what I can remember um, in that fight, and. and, and John did a really good job of, uh, of fending him off and uh, managed to land um, land enough when uh, when they separated to, to get the win. Uh, Bautista fought a very tough opponent in uh, Jin So San, who obviously had that really fun fight with uh, with Peter Yan as well previously. Um, and I was impressed with uh, with Bautista in that fight as well. He he landed some um, some nice shots. He was quick on the feet. He was aggressive. I mean, both these guys are um, are coming out of really good uh, camp as well we've got um Bautista coming from uh, the MMA lab with uh, with obviously John Crouch. He had uh, Benton Henderson in his corner for his last fight, so he's got some really good, really experienced guys in his corner. And then um, and then you got Mars Johns coming from uh, Fortis MMA. So for me, it's, it's a battle of two good guys from two good camps. But um, but for me, I, I, I like uh, Mario Bautista to to edge this fight. I think I think if he can. Um, if he can get striking, if he can um, utilise his speed in the, in the striking exchanges that we saw against uh, Jin So Sana, I think he's going to have some uh, some success in the stand-up. Um, and I think that'll be his, um, his path to victory. And I think he'll be able to to uh, to, to edge the scorecard, uh, scorecard over Marsh Johns. I don't think either of them are going to get um, get a finish in this, uh, in this fight. I, I think it's going to go the decision, but uh, I think it's going to be a fun back and forth. Uh, but I think Mario Batista is going to get the nod and, uh, and get the victory. Yeah, when I started watching tape on this fight, I actually thought that um, Batista was going was gonna to be like the far, the far more technical versatile striker and Mile Johns being obviously the the dominant wrestler and you know have that wrestler versus striker sort of stylistic matchup but actually when I was watching tape on Batista I just found that he wasn't as technical as what I imed- what I remembered him to be in, in previous fights and on the flip side with Miles Johns I thought he was actually a better striker than than I remembered as well so I actually think the striking is going to be quite close in this fight um Definitely, Batista has more weapons in regards to his striking because he will use kicks and throw kicks. But again, I don't think that's a good thing against a wrestler like Miles Johns. Whereas Johns, he won't really throw too many kicks. But when he's in the pocket and he's striking, he will throw in combinations and they do come quick as well. I just think with how wild Batista is inside the cage, 
I think it's going to cause himself a lot of problems because he's going to come forward fast and Johns has got a good reactive takedown. And if he doesn't get the takedown, he'll just grab the single leg, push him back to the cage. We saw Batista being pushed to the cage against Son. We actually saw him taken down a couple of times against Son as well. And, um, you know, that that's where Miles Johns is definitely strongest, pushing his opponents against the cage, being physical and then taking them down. And I just don't think Batista's got that, that game planning to stay on the outside and pick apart. I don't, I don't think that's his style at all, but that's the style he'll need to adopt to beat Johns and like I say I just don't think he can do it and if he does do it I don't see him sticking to it for 15 minutes either I think Johns is going to score takedowns in this fight he's got the cardio and the wrestling ability to make that two or three takedowns four takedowns five takedowns I do think Batista will get up the majority of the time but I just think it'll be an accumulation of the takedowns that if it does go to a decision which I do think it will that's where the judges will be looking so I'm going to take Miles Johns to win this fight and I'm going to take him to win via decision and in the next fight we've got Journey Newsom against Domingo Palate so John who have you got yeah again um uh, as the is the theme with this um with this undercard there's some really good close fights um Journey Newsom in his uh, in his UFC debut had a really tough fight against uh, Ricardo Hamos and um uh, and obviously he lost that fight he lost a decision um but it wasn't a um it wasn't a uh, a terrible showing by any stretch of the imagination from Newsom I mean we've seen uh, Hamos um We've seen him beat people. I know his record isn't been hasn't been great recently, but um, but he's a decent fighter and he's gone up against some um, some dangerous guys. And uh, he did manage to take uh, Johnny Newsom down on on several occasions. And uh, and I think Dom, uh, Domingo Pilate will will have to do the same in uh, in this fight if he uh, if he wants to get the win. Obviously that Calares fight, the the last fight between the two of them, it was. Um, it was a close back and forth. I mean, Kolaris landed takedowns. Pilate landed his own takedowns. A lot of time spent in the clinch and up against the fence. Um, but if uh, if Pilate can uh, can land takedowns on on Journey Newsom, um, I think he's going to edge his fight. If if Newsom can can keep the fight standing, um, I think he has the better striking. I think he'll um, he'll be a successful guy. But uh, but for me, I'm going with uh, Domingo Pilate to win this fight. Um, I think he will be able to uh, to, to get the better of Journey Newsom and, and and edge the fight out and get the victory. See, for me, when when Pilate came into the UFC, had his UFC debut against Colares, I really liked the guy. I actually bet him, and you know, unfortunately, it left a, a sour taste in my mouth because of him being lost. Because um, I just didn't expect him to to be that sort of fighter that can get held and controlled for that long. But I really liked him in his contender series fight, although he was hurt, you know, it showed adversity, he came back, he was aggressive, you know, well-rounded. But in that Kolaris fight, like I say, he just, he just didn't perform. And it could have been UFC jitters, I suppose. But then when you look at Journey Newsom, he came in on to his UFC debut on short notice against Ricardo Hamos, who... You know, I've been very high on him for a long time as well. Even through his losses, I still think the guy is absolutely super talented. And Journey Newsom, when I watched that fight back, it actually really impressed me. I know he lost the fight, but he was matching Ramos in in a lot of areas. And that's not very easy to do. You know, his, I believe it's his dad that's got the, the, the boxing background or the karate background. He, Jenny Newsom, started in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so the dude has been educated everywhere in MMA, and like I say, I, I was impressed with how he dealt with UFC jitters, UFC debut, short notice against a very good opponent, and I just feel that if he put, if he can put on that sort of performance, or 
you know, there's a high chance he's going to look even better in this fight as well. That he can really take it to to Pilate. He's just got to watch the takedowns. He's got to watch getting tied up too much. But Newsom's a big dude as well. You know, he's he's got some strength. He's got some physicality about him. And I think uh, I think he's going to cause Pilate issues in this fight. So. I don't think there's going to be a finish. I think uh, I think both guys are going to be quite well matched stylistically. But I am going to take Journey Newsom to win this fight, and I'm going to take him to win by a decision. And in the next fight, we've got Andre Yule versus Jonathan Martinez. John, who have you got? Yeah, this is um, this is an interesting fight because uh, Andre Yule's a guy that I can't really work out um, <laughs> where he sits in this division and um, and and. Um, what his level really is. I mean, we've seen him uh, beat Henan Barrow. Obviously, Henan Barrow is nowhere near the fighter that he used to be, but he came in on his debut in Brazil, beat Henan Barrow by, um, by decision. Lost to Nathaniel Wood. He got really found out on the ground in that fight. Um, Nathaniel Wood took him down with ease and, and dominated, locked in that rear naked joke in the third round. Then he fought Anderson de Santos, got a decision victory in that fight. Uh, and then he fought, uh, when he had made that step up again, Marlon Vera, who for me is, is that similar sort of level to Nathaniel Wood, um, he lost again, uh, third round, ground and pound. And uh, it's kind of tough. I, I think he's kind of struggling at the moment in that 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 kind of mid-range between your, your Marlon Vera's, your Nathaniel Woods, the guys uh, in and around that top 15 or so, um, and, and, and the guys lower down in the division now. Jonathan Martinez, um, I'll be honest, I didn't think too much of him when he uh, he came in and made his debut against um, against Andre Sukumtah. I know that was a short-notice fight. Um, uh, Andre Sukumtah, I'm not... Uh, Overly hyped about. I don't. Th- he's he's an okay fighter, but I don't think he's he's particularly great anywhere. But as uh, as Martinez has, has developed um, over the last couple of fights, I know you spoke earlier about seeing fighters progress and develop. I think we've definitely seen that with Martinez again. I don't know whether it's a case of UFC debut jitters, um, but he got a solid decision win against Luigi Buran, and then um, then a really um, nice third round finish um, with that big knee in his last fight against uh, Pinguan Lu as well. So he seems to fight who's who's on the up and, and striking battle. I think it's going to be interesting. Jonathan Martinez, I think he's slightly quicker. Andre Yule, he's tall. He's got that long rangey jab. He, um, he throws good kicks as well. Um, I think if Yule's going up against a guy who... Um, would threaten takedowns or, or could take him down. I think I'd definitely be picking against Andre Yule in this fight. If, but I'd, I've, we haven't really seen Martinez do anything um, other than um, other than strike. He, he's not particularly um, a, a heavy wrestler. Uh, I know he landed a, a takedown in both of the Willigi Buren and the uh, Sukumtar fights, but I don't think he's... Um, he's particularly the kind of guy who who come out and just try and wrestle for the entirety of the 15 minutes. I think he's um, just a striker who who occasionally throws in the takedowns when he sees the opportunity. But um, so for me, I, th- I think it's going to go back to Andre Yule, um, my favourite pattern of alternating wins and losses. I, I, I think he's going to get the uh, get the win in this fight. I just think that height and reach advantage. I think it's going to be a fight that does remain um, standing. I don't think Martinez is going to try and. Um, overly take him down often 
Um, so for that reason, I think that you might be able to just keep him at his range throughout the uh, the entirety of the fight um, and and, uh, and edge the decision. So uh, so yeah, I'm going with Andre Yule to to win this fight via decision. Yeah, see, I agree, and I disagree with some of the things you've said as well, and then sort of part agree, you know, because it's <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a weird one, but I'll explain what I mean. So, in regards to um, the development of Martinez, you know, I bet Martinez last fight. It seems to be a trend of this bet of this fight card that it's just full of fighters that I previously bet quite recently. So, um, you know, I bet Martinez. I think it was a plus one seventy five underdog against uh, Ping Guan Lu, and up until that that flash knockout knee. Uh, late in round three, I was I was quite nervous because we're about to go into a split decision, and that brings me on to the development thing that you spoke about because I do see development in Martinez, but I don't think it's drastic enough. So I thought that when uh, prior to the uh, Liu Pinguan fight, and that's ultimately why I, why I bet Martinez. I was seeing these developments. I knew he was with Mark Montoya at Factory X, all these sort of things that I really liked. But then when I was watching that fight. I feel that Martinez tried coasting quite a lot and, you know, like I say, it was about to go into a split decision, I'm pretty sure, before that knockout. And even when you look back at at the statistics of that fight, you know, it was, what you know, it played out predominantly on the feet. I don't think anybody even shot a takedown. And even though the fight was finished late in round three, so we had the majority of round three and Martinez only landed like, I think it was 30-something strikes. It's, it just wasn't enough volume and it's not as if Lu Pinguan was some sort of elusive fighter like a Machida or an Anderson Silva, you know. He, you know, he was there to be hit if, if Martinez wanted it enough and it just didn't seem like he did. Um, and then the other thing that uh, I sort of disagree with as well is in regards to the speed. I, I think the speed... In the punching, anyway, is is definitely on Andre Yule's side. Speed and movement, again, I would edge to Yule as well. But there's there's a few things that Martinez can do to win this fight. He's got to he's got to commit to his kicks. His head kick is not really set with anything, so he's got to set those up with hands. His low kicks have got to to come. They've got to start and they've got to stay. So what I mean by that is, in previous fights, he tends to throw the low kicks and then you know after two and a half minutes. You very rarely see a low kick after that. It might be one one or two per round at most. He's got to stick to those because Yule does recognise leg kicks and act accordingly when, when they're thrown against him. But the longer that fight goes on, the more kicks you're throwing, the less chance that Yule's going to start to you know react and, and, and deal with them accordingly as good as what he did earlier on in the fight. So Martinez has got a game plan to win this fight. I definitely believe that. But... I just think that the um, the reach advantage what Yule's got, I think he's good at fighting backwards as well as moving forwards. He's got some pop in his strikes. He's a little bit unorthodox as well. I just feel that speed and volume on a, a fight in the lower weight divisions that's likely going to go to a decision, which I think it will do, is always going to be favourable. So from a stylistic perspective, I think it's a really good fight and both fighters are definitely going to have the moments in this fight. It's just, if it goes to a decision, the first things that you look at is who's landed more and how much have they landed and, you know, who's looked better on the feet. And I just feel that, although in, in those three categories, I just feel that it edges to, to Andre Yule. Really fun fight. I think it's going to go to a decision. I've got Andre Yule to win it. And in the last fight of the night, we've got newcomers Austin Lingo versus Yusuf Zalal. John, who have you got? 
Yeah, both um, both these guys coming in here making their UFC debuts. Um, both of them also coming in from uh, from the LFA promotion, who we spoke about many times before, has been um, been uh, a really good feeder promotion to um, to the UFC. Similar, I, I kind of see LFA going off slightly. I kind of see LFA being the the equivalent of um, of Cage Warriors that we have over here in in, uh, in yeah, Europe and the UK. Um, sure. LFA are always passing over their fighters um, to, to the UFC, similar to, uh, to the way that Cage Warriors do here. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting because um, you've got Austin Lingo, who's um, he's got heavy hands, he's got good power when you look through his record. Um, he, he's got a lot of finishes um, by strikes on there, especially early in the fight on, in, um, in round one. Uh, Yusuf Zalal, I, I don't think, quite has the, the, the same level of power. He's a, he's a decent all-round fighter, but... Um, but I think in a power front, it definitely goes to Austin Lingo. Interesting to see that um, Yusuf Salah is coming into this fight as well off the back of winning one of only um, his last three fights. He, he won in spectacular style with a flying knee against uh, James Hernandez in his last fight. But the previous two fights to that, he he, he lost um, back-to-back decisions. So um, interesting to see he, he got the call-up off the um, off the back of, of that record in, uh, in recent times. But for me, I think Austin Lingo is the slightly more developed fighter out of the two at this moment in time, and I think um, I think with that those heavy hands, that power that he possesses, um, I think he's going to be able to uh, I think he's going to be able to finish Yusuf Salal in this fight and and get the win via knockout. Yeah, I agree. I agree with pretty much everything you've said. You know, it is a really good fight. Yusuf Salal seems to be the more technical fighter, um, a little bit quicker on the feet will throw more weapons in regards to, you know, his leg, his leg kicks. And, you know, like like you said, he's well-rounded. He can he can look for takedowns as well. But Lingo's not easy to take down, and he's not bad off his back either. You know, he can stand up, or he will throw, uh, you know, a cheeky armbar from guard. Um, but the power that Lingo possesses at this weight class is scary. And we've seen it time and time again, you know, a punch lands behind the ear. It only takes one with him. You know, it's not, it's not as if he's got his fighters with a back to the cage turtling up and then he's, he's unload, unloading brutal combinations on them. He's literally, you know, he's coming forward, he's looking for his range and then bang, that one right hand comes and suddenly, you know, they're either scrambling, doing the chicken dance or, or they're out cold. So Austin Lingo for me is, uh, is a good prospect in the UFC. I'm glad I'm glad he's been signed and I'm really excited to see him in the cage and you know opening the card as well it's going to be it's definitely going to be a good opener and and set the tone for the rest of the night so I think Austin Lingo is going to knock Zalal out and I think he's going to have a good career in the UFC and that's it for this week's podcast guys so John before we hit the newsome MMA mentions what do you need to mention man yeah, just as always, hit me up on uh, on Twitter at uh, MMA and Me. Always like to talk fights and um, and, uh, and and speak to everyone out there, get their opinions on upcoming cards, latest news, all that kind of stuff. Also, make sure you um, uh, no doubt you're going to plug it anyway, but make sure you check out uh, Newsome MMA. Um, just a YouTube channel in general, really, as well as the website. I mean, there's some fantastic stuff on there at the moment. I know the the guys on the team are putting out some some great interviews and uh, and yeah, some really fantastic stuff on there. So make sure you uh, you check out uh, all the recent interviews on the on the Newsome MMA YouTube channel. Awesome. So now for the Newsome MMA mentions. 
First of all, I want to mention the Newsome MMA website. So don't forget to visit the outlet's website at newsomemma.co.uk where you'll find prediction videos, fighter interviews, content collaboration with heavy duty fight management. You can even request colour commentary and media coverage from Newsome MMA as well. And then next up is MMA Play 365, which I spoke about at the start of this podcast. MMA Play 365 is the perfect betting advice platform for any type of gambler, whether you're in this game for the long term or whether you just want some fun bets while watching the fights on the night. The goal is to make money, and that's absolutely what we'll be doing for you. And just one quick thing to mention with MMA Play 365 as well is we've now taken over the tape index feature, which used to be on Newsome MMA. This is obviously a great tool for any handicapper, any DraftKings player that is looking to save time whilst they're researching fights. It's now behind a paywall, but it's nothing too expensive. It's $3.99 per month for the work that goes into the tape index, for the amount of time that it's going to save you, for the ease of use, $3.99 per month is absolutely nothing. So you can follow MMA Play 365 over on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or visit MMAPlay365.com to subscribe today. The next mention is for Isogenics, who provides supplements, solutions and support to professional athletes along with anybody who has an active lifestyle, whether that be practicing a sport or going to the gym. Be sure to check out the Amped Performance range of the products, which are perfect for athletes in all sports to increase energy and performance for when it matters most. Find out more at MMAPlay365.com forward slash isogenics. And that's it from us, guys. Enjoy the fights on Saturday night, and we'll see you again for UFC 248.